Father, we thank you for your presence here in this house. And we say, oh God, would you send us another Pentecost? Would you pour out your Spirit above measure? Would you transform our lives? Would you set us on fire? God, would you break out in our street, our community, our city, our nation? Lord, would you pour out your Spirit as you promised in the last days on our sons and daughters that they might prophesy, have visions, dream dreams, and Lord, see transformation. Father, now bless your Word, anoint it powerfully, touch us, change us, transform us. God, not just information, we're here for transformation. We receive it by faith in Jesus' Name. And everyone said, have a seat, please. From the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, you need to take note how God starts things because it's a, there's a powerful message in there. In Genesis 1, it says, uh, you know, let God said, let there, uh, let there be light. And then he said, let there be firmament, let there be stars and all the rest of it. So the first miracles came as a result of God speaking. Miracles come as a result of speaking. You are made in the image of God. If you want to see more miracles in your life, get your mouth in order. There is a miracle in your mouth. Tell the person next to you, come on, there's a miracle in your mouth. It's time to get that going, time to speak it out and see what happens. Let me show you four incredible miracles you'll experience if you get your mouth in order for all of us, all right? So Isaiah 58, 8 and 9, at the end of 8 verse 9, it says, if you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, <laughs> you know, the speaking of wickedness. So before it says this, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Anyone need healing? Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. You shall call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. Then it says, if, you take away the yoke from the midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wick wickedness. Friends, when we get a control of our tongues and speak as God wants us to speak, we stop being negative, we stop being critical. The four promises of this, our light will break forth speedily, our healing will come. Need healing? It's connected to your mouth, folks. Enjoy the glory of God, our prayers will be answered. I read that and I thought, wow. That is amazing, just from getting our words right. And I wonder whether one of our biggest struggles in life that defeats us again and again and again is the words that come out of our mouths. So let's pray that God will help us with that. With that. Uh, Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul, watch this, and health. Everyone say health to the bones, right words, health to the bones. There was a conference on um, health that took place a, a while back and they said this, this is what they said, the experts said this, negative words, listen carefully, reduce our immune system and we come, become more susceptible to sickness. It's worth really thinking about, isn't it? Negative words. Reduce your immune system. Wow. 
This whole area of words, it's, it's, it's a bigger deal than we realize. And it's something, if you're like me, we're very careless in this area, but we need to change it. John Kilpatrick, pastor of the great Brownsville revival, he shares how God gave him a key to releasing miracles. He built an auditorium, brand new auditorium, and in faith, he built a orchestra pit, because he loved orchestras, but like me. And, uh, and he would pray, and he says, God, you know how much I want an orchestra pit. How come I haven't got an orchestra pit? When are you gonna send us you know, people who can make, give me a fantastic orchestra pit? God, when are you gonna do this? And the Holy Spirit stopped him in his tracks, and he said, why do you keep cursing this area that you want with your negative words? And he thought God was right. Through his own words, it was actually stopping God working in this whole area of an orchestra for his church. So he changed his prayers. And he says, God, I just thank you that you are sending people who can fill the orchestra pit. I thank you, Lord, that they're being drawn to this church. I don't know the exact words that he said, but he just changed his whole language. And he said within 90 days, a trumpet player joined the church, a great trumpet player, and after that, a whole lot of other people came together, and very shortly, within about 90 days, or just after that, he had a fantastic orchestra in his church. He said for 19 years he had prayed, but once he changed how he prayed, God moved powerfully in his situation. So guess what, folks? I've changed my praying. I'm saying, God, I thank you that this area of my need, you're, you're moving in this situation. God, I thank you my family are coming to Christ. God, I thank you that I'm being healed. God, I thank you that doors are opening for me. God, I thank you that your blessing is, is coming my way. I've changed my language. Instead of cursing situations with negativity, I'm blessing them. And I believe God is gonna answer in an ever-increasing and powerful way powerful way. You can change your word world by changing your words. Anyone here need to change your world? Your words will change it, folks. It will really change it, make a big difference. Let me tell you another story. Catherine Marshall, uh, in her book, uh, A Closer Walk, she said God gave her an assignment for a day and said, uh, now Catherine, I don't want you to speak any negative words or to criticize anybody for a day. And so she launched into a day, and she said that, uh, you know, she stopped being negative, and by about midday, she said she felt a, just a void in her life, as if she'd been completely wiped out, because <laughs> she couldn't say anything negative. She was obviously so used to it. And, um, and she said, I couldn't understand why God had given me this assignment. Made no sense. She said, until about mid-afternoon, and what she says in her books, this, from a result of this fast, she said in the mid-afternoon, God gave her a new vision for her life. She said ideas began to come in a way she had not experienced in years. God showed her that her critical nature had not solved a single thing. All it had done was stifle her creativity. I want you to think about that. You see, right speech 
releases creativity. It releases strategy. It releases solutions and wisdom. Our negative speech blocks all this stuff coming into our lives. We can change our world <laughs> if we can just change our words and see the solutions that we're asking for. Do you know when it comes to salvation, you know the greatest miracle of all is salvation. Is that right? Do you know how you get it? Listen to Romans 10 verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Fine, but nothing happens. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It's not enough to believe. It's not enough to think positively. You've got to get the words out of your mouth. You know, the whole area of, um, there's another passage on this. Hebrews 3 verse 1 says that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Now, confession is kind of, it can mean to say the same as. So you're saying the same as what God says. You're saying the same, you know, you, maybe you're quoting scriptures or all that sort of stuff. But when we speak or confess, particularly scripture, but also when we're being positive, uh, Jesus releases his authority to bring to pass the words that we speak. See, he is the high priest of our confession. He is the high priest of our words. We give him words, then he releases his authority to bring to pass the words that we speak. So we want to get Jesus working for us through the words that come out of our mouths. I want to just take this whole message to a, just go a bit deeper with this. And it's to say this, it takes only one voice at the right pitch to start an avalanche. Now, I researched this, and it's probably not true that a voice at the right pitch can start an avalanche of snow. But I believe, I'll show you from Scripture, it is true that when a person, a Christian, finds their God-given voice and speaks at the right pitch, it can start an avalanche of transformation. Hmm. So, we see this through history. Martin Luther King, Jr., in his speech, I Have a Dream, 1963, against racial injustice for Negroes, he found his voice, his God-given voice, and he started an avalanche of transformation. Think of... Think of uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, he also found his voice at the right pitch when he nailed the 95 Theses to the church door in 1517, and he started an avalanche that sparked the Protestant Reformation and the message of justification by faith that forever changed the face of Christianity. John Wesley found his voice at the right pitch when he was excluded from preaching indoors in churches and he went out into the fields and he started an avalanche of salvation, revival, and the birth of the Methodist church. 
John the Baptist found his voice at the right pitch. When, in, when we read in uh, Mark 1 verse 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So friends, I want to take this to you and to me because we all have a God-given voice. Here's a question I want you to ask yourself. What is your voice? What is your voice? What is your life saying to the people around you? What do you stand for? What do you stand for? See, you are called to make a difference in this world. You're called to help advance the kingdom of God. The world needs your voice. You have a life message given to you from God in heaven. And you need to find out what that message is. You need to find out what your voice is. And then you need to amplify it and declare your voice and start an avalanche of transformation in your world around you and beyond your own world. And if you don't know what your voice is, friends, I'm telling you, ask three or four people around you and say, what do you see as my voice? What does my life stand for? What do I stand up for? What do you hear coming out of my life? Maybe out of my vocal cords, but no, even out of the very life that I live. What is my voice? Because friends, you have a voice. We've all been given a voice. We're made in the image of God and we got to discover. So let me ask you this question. If I said to you, okay, tell me, what is my voice? What is the voice of the pastor? You could probably all tell me what my voice is. My voice is, I've got a voice for prayer. Is that right? Yeah. I've got a voice for revival. Have you ever heard that come out of my lips? I've got a voice to see New Zealand turn to Jesus. Have you ever heard me say anything about that? Yeah. I've got a voice for revival. Yeah. I've got a voice for unity. You know what my voice is. Yeah. And I'm telling you, friends, my voice needs to be heard. I will not be silent. I will not be shut down because my voice needs to be heard. But wait, your voice needs to be heard. It's all our voices together that are going to bring transformation to our society and to our nation. So tell the person next to you, your voice needs to be heard. So what is your voice? What is your voice? Make no mistake, you have a significant God-given voice that can bring transformation. God forbid that that voice gets buried in your grave unheard. You can't do that, friends. You owe it to God. You owe it to society. You owe it to the people around you. You see, you have a unique voice. I don't have your voice. I can't work the transformation you can work. I won't reach the people you, you're gonna reach. You see, everyone, we all know, everyone has a different voice. You know, if you're in one room and there's someone talking in the next room, often you can tell who it is because they've got a unique voice. When you answer the phone and you hear the other person's voice, usually, if you know that person, you recognize who they are because why they have a unique voice. Everyone has a unique God-given voice that needs to be heard. And I think, friends, we have been silent for too long. We have been quiet for too long. And let me say this. When you find your voice from God, you can be 100% sure 
the devil will do everything he can to shut you down. He's got to silence your voice. If not silence it, subdue your voice. He's got to keep you quiet, friends. You wouldn't know how many people try and silence me, friends. But I'll not be silenced. I've got a voice from heaven. And it's my responsibility to let that voice be heard as far and as wide as I can get it out there. But what is true for me, friends, is also true for you. Ask the person next to you, is your voice being heard? <laughs> Are you all right out there? See, here's some areas where you may be called to use your voice to start an avalanche. Give you some ideas. They will all be connected with a biblical basis and helping advance the kingdom of God in some way. So you may have a voice for social justice. Mm. You may have a voice caring for the poor. You may have a voice for sharing Christ with others. You may have a voice for prayer, for a refusal to compromise. You may have a voice for righteousness. You may have a voice to uphold the authority of this book. You may have a voice that you will never surrender to peer pressure. People need to hear that voice more than before in our history. Because so many are surrendering to the peer pressure at whatever age it is, you be a voice. So no! Be a voice for what you will watch with your eyes. And what you will refuse to watch. And when people are gonna watch something you know they shouldn't, you be a voice for righteousness. You be a voice for what is acceptable in the eyes of God. Friend, you have a voice. And that voice needs to be heard. Desperately needs to be heard. Don't let the devil whisper in your ear right now and say, I have no voice. Well, if you have no voice, don't ever speak again. Because you do have a voice. You know, all great Bible characters found their voice and their pitch. You can go through all of them. Genesis to Revelation. And they declared what God had called them to do. You know, the right, speaking at the right pitch, I believe, involves speaking at the right time, the right place, with wisdom, with humility. All right, it's not just blab, blab, blab. No, no, no. You've got to know when to speak. You've got to know when not to speak. Sometimes the loudest voice is the voice of silence. You know, when someone cracks a joke that's unclean, not right, your silence is a voice. You don't have to say anything sometimes. So you, the right pitch is also very, and I think sometimes we get it the wrong pitch, and so no one listens to our voice. But there is a time and a place when we can speak and say what is right. Alfred Noble, you may not know this, was best known uh, for the Peace Prize. But he also invented dynamite. Did you know that? He was a weapons manufacturer. So when Alfred's brother Ludwig died, the French papers got it wrong, and they thought it was Alfred who died. And this is what they wrote about him. They condemned him for his invention of dynamite, 
and uh, that Alfred Nobel was a merchant of death, is dead. He became rich by finding ways to kill people, uh, more people faster than ever before. So that was a terrible, terrible statement. And he, when, when, that's what they said about when he died. So Alfred Nobel, he was devastated by this, that he would be remembered for inventing dynamite. So what he did is in his will, he set aside 200, much, much of his estate, $250 million to establish the Nobel Peace Prizes. See, Alfred Nobel had the rare opportunity to evaluate his life near its end and live long enough to change the asses assessment. So instead of being remembered as a voice for destruction, he became a voice for peace. My point is this, friends, it's never too late to change your voice. It's never too late to find the voice that God actually planned and ordained for your life. And maybe your voice to date has not been a good voice. Maybe it's been a voice that you don't want them talking about at your funeral. Change your voice. Find the voice that God has got for you and then begin to speak it out. As I'm sharing the rest of this message, I want you to be asking yourself, God, what is my voice? What is my God-given voice? What do you want me to stand for? What does my life represent uh, to the people around me? Because, you know, how do you find your voice? Well, as I said, in the natural, everyone's voice is different. But when you discover who you are, who are you, actually? It's a good question. Who are you? Some people never find out who they are because they spend their whole life copying everyone else. You're never going to get anywhere. Photocopy is never as good as the real deal. So who are you? When you find out who you are and what God has actually called you to do, that's when you start to discover what your voice is. And our voice is, is developed through the experiences we go through in life. Now listen carefully. See, what you're going through today is a part of your future voice. Because what God is doing is he's developing in you an outstanding message today, which will not be an echo of anyone else's voice. It's a message God is writing upon your heart right now through all the experiences you go through in life. So, you know, our personality, our experiences, our handicaps all contribute to our voice. So, listen, you know, don't resent the trials you go through. Don't resent the troubles you are facing today. Don't reject them. Don't get bitter over them. They are a part of the voice that God is developing in your life. God is creating an outstanding message in your life that no one else can preach because no one else will ever go through what you are going through today, not in the same way. This is developing your voice, you know, and it becomes such a powerful thing. Adrian and I went through three years in the Philippines that were among the darkest times of our lives that all of you know, no, most of you know about it, but friends, that has become a part of our voice and a part of my voice that God now uses when I speak around the world. I talk about that, that incident and it's a voice that people want to hear. I could have resented that. I could have got, we could have got bitter over it. But no, friends, God was developing an outstanding message in my life, our lives, that would then become a voice 
that, in my case, hundreds if not thousands of people would hear in the years to come. And so, you know, embrace who you are. Would you dare to do that? A lot of people don't like who they are. Oh, I don't like this about me. I don't like this about me. I don't like that about me. Friends, it's all a part of your message. Embrace who you are. It's how God has made you. It's God has created you. You may be tall. You may be short. You may be skinny. You may not be skinny. You, know, you may be bright. You may not be bright. You may have a great personality. You may have a not so great personality. Hey, friends. Let not the clay say to the potter, why have you made me thus? When God made you, he knew what he was doing. Don't you think? Do you think God made him? Do you think God makes mistakes? How many of you reckon God makes mistakes? Give me a wave. Okay, no one's hand went up. Therefore, you are not a mistake. You've not been made all wrong. You're exactly how God wants you to be. Maybe a few adjustments needed. I can help you with those. <laughs> it's all a part of your voice. Your voice matters because the threat is real and silence is not an option. Silence is not an option. I'm going to have to wrap this up because my time's just about gone. Can I just mention two areas in which I want to encourage you to well, one key area in which I want you to find your voice, and that is to find, find your voice in prayer. Find your voice in prayer. If you don't have any other voice, friends, you've got that voice. And, um, you know, I trust I've started an avalanche of prayer, you know, that's going to help the church rise to its finest hour. That, that's my prayer. And um, the Queen of Scotland <laughs> feared the prayers of John Knox more than all the armies of the enemy. Because he learned to pray at the right pitch. He got it right. It's my prayer that the hordes of hell are going to live in fear and dread of my prayers. That when I go to prayer and when our revival prayer meeting, which is going so fantastically well on Thursday nights, when we go to prayer, I want there to be alarm bells in the dark regions of the damned. And they're going to think, oh, no. That Tark Barna and his revival prayer team, they're going to prayer in the next hour or two. We're going to lose a lot of ground and there's going to be a, a, you know, havoc and mayhem and migraines in the regions of the dead, in the regions of hell, friends. We find your voice in prayer. You know, you have got a voice in prayer. You know, have you ever found it? You have got, let me say, you have got an outstanding, phenomenal massive voice in prayer. You have got it, friends. Make no mistake. You have got it. And I want to ask you, have you found it? Because if you've not found it, friends, you will go to the grave not having utilized the greatest, one of the greatest gifts God's ever given you. The biggest lie of the devil is that certain ones are called to prayer, but not everyone's called to prayer. Friends, you read Genesis to Revelation. Everyone has called to prayer. You have got a voice of prayer. Tell the person next to you, you can be a phenomenal prayer warrior. Go and tell them as loud as you can. <laughs> Sorry to get a bit wound up about that. But boy, if the church could ever find its voice of prayer, watch out New Zealand, watch out world. It will transformation. Bingo. We have got it, friends. We've just got to find that voice of prayer. And that's 
What are my missions that I have in life? All right, as I finish, because my time has just about gone, the Church of New Zealand has lost its voice. It's sleeping while the enemy overruns the country. The church must find its voice and start an avalanche of God's blessing. As Church Unlimited, to a measure, we've found our voice. It's good, isn't it? We've found our voice of prayer, unity, the church being revived, souls. If we can now raise our voice together in unity as one voice, I believe the level of transformation will go to another place. New Zealand and beyond is where we express our voice to the nation, to the body of Christ, to the churches. If you can come and put your voice behind our voice at New Zealand and beyond, it will be a massive benefit to the church of New Zealand and help turn our nation back to Jesus Christ. So your voice is needed, every voice is needed. Together, we can start an avalanche of God's blessing, not seen before in our lives or in our nation. So I'm calling Church Unlimited to three days fasting and prayer. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Excited? Uh -huh. But this is not a food fast. This is harder than a food fast. Much harder. It's a fast from negative talk and criticism. Three days. Three days. I was suggesting 10 days. I was going to go 40 days. Someone said, they'll never do it. I said, 21, they'll never do it. I said, can we go for seven? They'll never do it. I said, what about three? Maybe. So we settled on three days of prayer and fasting. You can change your world when you change your words. Amen.